Um, I wanted to put a picture in everybody's mind of what is going to take place during this class. And, uh, and this is the outline. So in other words, you know, September 15th, we're going to talk about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. We're going to talk about the Israelites on September 22nd and then go to the establishment of the kingdom, the, um, the United Kingdom. So you will see the speed of the class that it's going to go really, really fast. <laughs> um, and the reason why it's going to go really, really fast is because the goal of the class is to give you the story, not of Israel, but the story of God. And the reason why I was thinking, well, should we give them the story of God or should we do the story of Israel, is that we'll just focus on the geography of Israel. In other words, we'll consistently focus on where Israel is at. And as we focus on Israel is at, we can tell the story um, of God through time. And we'll get the perspective of the story of God through time. So what you're going to get out of this class, and my goal is you see you don't have any notes. It's like, where's my challenge? What do I get to do? What do I get to write down? But the goal is that you just get to see the whole Bible. In other words, oh my goodness, now I know what the New Testament or Old Testament looks like. Now I know what the purpose that drive the mission. Now I know the dynamics of the Old Testament. Now I know the people. Now I know the champions. Oh, I see the Old Testament. So when you read the Bible, you can say, okay, remember that class? Oh, now I can see the Old Testament. But then you can also see what takes place between the Old Testament and New Testament. Because there's going to be two weeks there, or one week or two weeks, of the information that's going to take place between the Old Testament and New Testament. A lot goes on, nothing in Scripture, but a lot goes on. And then, of course, you get to see the New Testament and what's going on in Israel during the New Testament. And then after that, you get to see what took place after the New Testament all the way through. So it's moving really rapid, um, and you're going to get a whole bunch of, of information, but it's not information you memorize. It's just information you just pull back and say, oh, now I see what is going on because it's going to be the heartbeat of the work of God all the way through, all the way through Scripture. So you'll see that this is what we'll go through. On the very last note, you'll see January 6th through March 24th. You'll see that the goal is to do it this semester and then go through the next semester. We're going to try to get to um, just before the life of Christ on this semester. Um, And then after that, we're going to talk about Israel in regards to the ministry of Christ, the Acts of the Apostles, this is um, the next semester, the Roman Empire, the Byzantine Empire, the Muslim conquest, the Crusaders, the Muslim rule, the British mandate, the state of Israel, the present Israel, and the future Israel. So it'll be more going with that history, because after the New Testament is over, um, God's work's not over. <laughs> not over at all. It continues, and then we'll start working through, working through all um, of those. So a couple things that I just want to um, uh, make mention to is, number one, don't hold me to this. <laughs> and what I mean by don't hold me to this is I say, oh, the first week we're talking about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We're not. We're going to talk about Abraham and Isaac. We can't get into Jacob. It's just too much. So things are going to start shuffling. So that's just, that's just the way it's going to work. But as they'll shuffle down and some things might get pulled out as we go. But um, this is where we're going we're gonna to try to travel. So please um, don't, hold me, um, don't hold me to this calendar. Very, very strict. Jacob, we'll be talking about next week because there's so much about Jacob in the structure of Israel. But the heartbeat of Israel starts with Abraham, and we'll be definitely be talking about that uh, today. The other thing is that um, 
Uh, it might be shaky a little bit. I'm doing something new. Usually when I preach a sermon, I speak, I preach verses, I read off a thing, and something just magically happens. Everything shows up on the screens. <laughs> and the reason why it magically happens is because people back there are pushing buttons. Well, I'm supposed to be pushing the button on this one. <laughs> so this is, Matt Bain does this great, but I, I, I've never done this before. Um, and uh, so we'll see, how it, we'll see how it goes. We'll see if it gets a, a, a little scary and sketchy. But, you know, we'll just, we'll, we'll just try to... Uh, Figure that out. Um, figure that out as as it goes. So, story of Israel. Where does it start? We're not going to start in Genesis, even though it does start in Genesis, because there's promises that take place in Genesis. But we're going to start by this guy named Abraham. Abraham was a person who was called by God, and what did he say? God says, "I want you to go, and I'll make you a great nation." And if you go and you follow me and you obey me, your nation will be great and look up to the stars, look up to the sand. This is how large your nation will go. So Abraham is going to be somebody that's going to be completely and entirely blessed if he does what? If he goes and obeys God. So here's Abraham. What does he do? Well, let's look at Scripture. Maybe if I can turn this on. Oh, no, i got to go this way. See, look at this. It's already not working. Uh-oh, but it's not working on my screen. That means I need to read it off that. Okay, so I'm going to have to read off of this because I do not see it on my screen. So I don't know if that comes down there or not. So, but that's all right. You guys don't mind if I just look back. The Lord said to Abraham, leave your country and your people and your father and your household and go to the land where I will show you. I'll make you into a great nation. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great and you will be a blessing. So he asked Abraham to go, and he says, I just want you to go, and I want you to follow. And I will bless those who bless you. I will also curse those who curse you. And all the people of the earth will be blessed for you. This is a command to Abraham, and his command is to go. So where is he going to go? He started in the country of Ur, and when he started in the country of Ur, he went up to Haram. And, uh, and he settled into Haram, according to Scripture. You're going to get a lot of Scripture at the beginning, then we're going to get a whole bunch of pictures. Terah took his son Abraham, his grandson Lot, and his son Haran, and his daughter and in-law Sarai, and his wife and his son Abram. And together they set out to Ur of the Chaldeans to the land of Canaan. And when they came to Haran, they settled there. But we'll ask the question, why did they settle there? This is the map. Ask the question, why did they settle there? Well, they settled there because Terah, which is Abraham's father, uh, was an idol worshiper. And as he was an idol worshiper... God didn't want him to go into the land that he asked Abraham to go to. So he settled in Haran. 205 years later, what? Haran died. So looking at this piece, we started here into Ur. We traveled up to Haran. Terah died, and after he died, he then goes into the land of, um, of Canaan. And we see this in, actually in Joshua. Then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel in Shechem, and he, saw, uh, he summoned the elders, the leaders, the judges, the officials of Israel, and they presented themselves there before God. So we see the structure of, I'm going to go to the land of Canaan, but as I'm going to the land of Canaan, he doesn't know where he's going, and he doesn't know where he's going to end up. I mean, he knows where he's going to end up, but he doesn't know where he's going, he doesn't know where he's going to stop. But as he's going, God is guiding him, God is directing him, and he is obeying God. And one thing you need to think about when you think about Abraham, and you always need to think about this, is that Abraham did not have any Google Earth. You know, when you start saying, I'm going to take you from your land and your home and your family and all those pieces, 
and I'm going to pull you out, and I'm going to send you to another land. Um, what do we do nowadays? We Google Earth it. Say, is it a good piece of land? Or we Zillow it. Is there good property over there? Is it a good piece of real estate? Instead, he was called out to a place that who knows where he is going. Well, one person knew where he was going, and who was? It was God. I'm going to send you to this land, and this land is called what? A place flowing with milk and honey, according to Moses and the Israelites as they were dreaming about going to this land. So Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord God said, the God of Israel says, long ago your forefathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nor, lived beyond the river Jordan and worshipped other gods. They're not going to go in this land, but you will end up going. So Abraham left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham had sent 75 years old when he sent out from Haran to this land. Let's look at this land. He took Sarah, his wife, and nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people, and they acquired them at Haran, and they sent out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Now, is Israel a really good spot, or Israel not a good spot? In other words, if we ask the question, is Israel good real estate, or is it not good real estate? Because remember, he doesn't know where he's going. He doesn't even know where he'll end up. As Abraham traveled, I want to skip a couple of these guys as he's talking about I will tell you that it is a good spot. And, and the reason why I explain that it is a good spot is because it has exceptional agriculture in the sense of, I'm going to put you in an area that you'll be taken care of. Exceptional agriculture. When you meet, talk about exceptional agriculture, this is the map of where Israel is at. So Israel is absolutely is right here. And then right up here is Mesopotamia. And then right down here is the Nile River. And then you have Egypt in there. So if you start talking about agriculture, you can see it from this map. There's a little more green up here, and you have the Arabian Desert there, and you have green up here, and then you have green down here, and then you have green here on the Nile River. Well, remember that all the metropolitan areas were actually started here. This is where they started. This is where they grew. This is where they, um, this is where they, they got big. All the cities started here, and nobody planted the metropolitan area in the Saudi Arabia, you know, in the desert. They stayed here, Mesopotamia, between two different rivers. And uh, between these two rivers, this is where everything grew. Between here, this is where everything grew. And the Nile River, this is where everything grew. So looking at this, you can just see the Mesopotamia rivers in between the Tigris and the Euphrates River. And if it's in between the Tigris and Euphrates River, this is a place where you're going to survive, not in the desert. And then you see the Nile River that takes place right there. This is a place you're going to survive not in the desert. And then you see green, lush area right here. You'll be able to find a place to survive, not necessarily in the desert. So as God called Abraham to that area, I just want you to look at, um, this is going to push into history. You have the Hittite um, Empire. You have the Assyrian Empire. You also have the Babylonian Empire. Where are they all resting at? Are they resting in the Arabian Desert? They're not resting in the Arabian Desert. They're resting right there. That is where you have all the power. And if you think about it, all the way through history, people were conquering what? The Roman Empire conquering that area, the Babylonian Empire, the Assyrian Empire. Everything's conquering there. Why would they conquer there? It's because that's where the, it, it, it's rich. That's where, the, that's where the, the, um, the water's at. You can grow. You also have this area here, which is what? Egypt. Extreme large empire. Wealth, goods. What takes place right here? You have the Nile River, and as the Nile River is there, what do you have people doing? You have people feeding off of Egypt. But then you have this right here. Where is that little piece right there? That would be the piece 
of Israel. So it was not only agriculturally a good place to have, but it um, also um, had an extreme amount of eco, um, um, economic corridors. And I want to show this, this map again that takes place right here. This is the size of Israel. Israel is not very big um, whatsoever. But let's look at the location of Israel and, um, and its site. Again, location of Israel is where? Right there. What's up here? You have Europe up here. What's this? You have Asia right here, and you have what? Africa right there. Israel, being the size that I just showed you, is a tiny, 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 tiny piece on the map, but it is the center of three different continents. So if you are in Europe and you're going to travel back in the ancient days, the patriarch days, and you want to go to Africa, what are you going to do? You're going to go right in up through Israel. If you're in Asia, what are you going to do? Are you going to cross uh, Saudi Arabia Desert? No, you're going to actually go right what through Israel. If you're in Africa and you're going to travel anywhere and you're going to go up, what are you going to do? You're going to travel right through Israel. Here's the land of Ur. It's in Iraq. And what happens is he, Abraham went up to here and then came down to heartbeat, literally, of the world. And remember, he did not have Google Earth to check it out before he went, he went down to it. But all three of those continents, this is, this is huge, not necessarily in today because we just get on a plane, we fly. Um, and as we fly, we just go over and it's not that big of a deal. But this is absolutely huge in regards to all the empires and conquering different things is because this is the gateway for absolutely everything. So every empire that comes in is going to conquer Mesopotamia, which is right here. And if they are a big enough empire, they can conquer the Nile and conquer Egypt. And if you conquer that and you have that empire there, what do you have to have? You have to have Israel. How many times has Jerusalem been conquered? It's been conquered 44 times in its life. Why? Because it is in the heartbeat, um, the heartbeat of the Middle East. So, yes, it is definitely a place that uh, the corridor is, is right there. The heartbeat of everything is right there. So, if you go to Israel, this is, um, this, is, this is back in the ancient days, but this is the travel from everybody up from Africa. This is the travel of everybody from um, Europe, and this is the travel to the Mesopotamia, uh, to Mesopotamia over here, where all the, the wealth and the agriculture is at. And then here is a place called Megiddo. Megiddo is actually a huge um, gateway that's in Israel. In fact, everybody goes through what? Megiddo if they're going to go down to Egypt. We went to Israel last year, and we went to Megiddo. And uh, Megiddo um, is a place, I'll just show you what it looks like. It looks like that. If you are going to be in the gateway of a whole nation traveling and going, you're going to start what? You're going to plant a city there. And when you plant a city there, what's going to happen? You're going to have the market, you're going to have food, you're going to have absolutely everything, because actually the whole world is traveling to this actually specific location. Plant the city. They say that this city right here has 26 different layers. How the city has been destroyed, but built again. The city's been destroyed, built again. This is actually not a natural mountain. This is a mountain that's been built on and built on and built on and built on and built on. And the reason why is because it's in the center of an amazing corridor of, of wealth and prosperity. But I also want to tell you something else about this little town of Megiddo. It is the Jezreel Valley. What takes place in the Jezreel Valley? If you start going all the way back to Armageddon, or you go back to Revelation, you'll see that this right here is the battle 
of Armageddon that's going to take place in the future, in the Jezreel Valley. You see this is an extreme economic corridor all the way for the last 3,000 years. Huge location. There's also future peace that's going to take place. The battle of Armageddon where it is going to flow a large amount of blood. Now there's going to be a lot of other battles there and we'll describe the battles that are there. But uh, the corridor is absolutely huge in regards to where Israel is located. And then again, never forget its size. But it's a land flowing with milk and honey. Why? Because they can grow, but also they have a massive amount of travelers that are traveling through them. And as they travel through them, um, they're getting great wealth as they sell. They have natural seaports. So again, Abraham didn't Google Earth and say, God is sending me a direction. Is there anything that's going to be able to help me during this time? Well, they have natural seaports, and out there on the natural seaports, they're actually even made uh, extremely deep. <laughs> oh, oh, natural seaports, you'll see that this is the Mediterranean Sea right here, and this is Israel right here. This is the whole eastern side. Israel is the eastern side of the Mediterranean. So all shipment that takes place in the future, Abraham doesn't know this, but all shipment that takes place in the future actually goes through Israel. And it's interesting that these seaports are automatically there and easy to put up and extremely deep. Um, Abraham is being called to a very nice piece um, of property, um, as you can see. You can see the Haifa, you can see the Eliot um, seaport um, that is there. There's also strategic mountains that take place um, in Israel as well. Um, there's also a large amount of produce that takes place, a large amount of stuff that takes place to bring it to wealth. So when you hear the words, there is a place flowing with milk and honey, um, it is a place that is flowing with milk and honey. And we say, well, boy, it was then, but what is it now? Um, Israel is a place that produces more technology than you can possibly imagine, and America feeds off of Israel. We see it being a huge place back then, but now it's even a huge place now as we're feeding off the technology that they make. You guys ever looked at your iPhone or your other phone and you go into Google Maps and as you go into Google Maps, it's a GPS that sends you in all different directions? All that stuff is created from Israel. All that stuff is coming out of Israel. So what happened is, I want to continue the story of Abraham. Abraham was called to the area and when he came to the area, I'm going to give you a fast story of Abraham and I want to focus on two different stories, but I just want to give you a really fast one. First, he traveled into Canaan and when he did travel into Canaan, Let's just continue to look at Scripture as it takes place. Now, Sarah, Abraham's wife, had born... Whoa. So, yeah, I'm, I'm catching up on myself. See, I'm not used to this. So he traveled into Canaan, and then after he traveled into Canaan, there's a, uh, there's a, um, a, a famine that took place. He then went into Egypt. Do we remember what took place in Egypt? When he went into Egypt, he says, well, if the Egyptian person sees me and I'm your husband, Sarah, it's going to get really ugly in Egypt, because what they're going to do is they're going to get rid of me, and he's going to take you as your wife, so let's make a deal with this person. Let's say that you're my sister, and we walk in, if you're my sister, then all of a sudden he'll just take you to the bed and take you into his house, and I still get to live. You know, he's following God under faith, and that's not that following God under faith, but that's what he did. That's what took place in the story, and then after he left Egypt, he went up to Negev, and when he went up to Negev, he started finding an obscene amount of wealth. This is where he had the, his, his cattle and things started to grow, but there wasn't enough produce um, to feed his cattle. So him and Lot says we need to part ways. Um, Lot settled into the high plains here, 
And here's Sodom and Gomorrah right here as we're looking at that story, but again, not getting into details there. And then Abraham went up to Canaan. The two areas that I really want to focus on is the story of two boys. And uh, the first boy I want to focus on is the person um, of Ishmael. God promised Abraham that if you go, I will make you a great nation. And if your nation will be absolutely great, but if you're going to have a great nation, what do you have to have? You have to have a kid. (laughs) Because a nation doesn't start unless you have a kid. So I'm going to make you a great nation, then all of a sudden... Sarah doesn't, start, he doesn't have a baby. And I'm calling her Sarah, Sarai, at the beginning, and then she is named Sarah. But I'm just going to try with the confusion, just consistently say Sarah as we're traveling very fast. So was not able to, um, to have a baby. And uh, so since she was not able to have a baby, let's just kind of look at this story. Now Sarai, which is Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, "'The Lord has kept me from having children.'" Go sleep with the maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Here's a seed. This is a good way to do it. Abraham agreed to Sarai and said, so after Abraham and said, and then actually said, and then actually went to sleep with her, and then they had a child named Ishmael. Now we can look at that and say, that is absolutely wrong, gross, and disgusting, but it's actually acceptable back then. Remember, we don't have a law. If you're going to be a father of a great nation, well, I'm just going to try to find somebody else. And if I can find somebody else besides my wife, we will, um, this is what we'll do. It was culturally acceptable, but not acceptable with God. What does it say in the beginning? I have made a man for, a, a helper for you. Marriage took place as a covenant between one man and one woman. But in the culture, it was acceptable. And Abram says, if this is going to take place, this needs to happen, and then he stepped out and he did that, and then Ishmael, Ishmael um, was born. So let's just kind of look at, so Abraham had been living in Canaan for 10 years. Sarah and his wife took her Egypt maidservant Hagar and gave her a husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael. I want to tell you that there were some complications that ended up taking place. And with the complications that ended up taking place, there's unity that was absolutely broken um, with Sarah, number one, (laughs) and the son Ishmael, and also Hagar with jealousy. And just to give you a fast story, is that they were kicked out of the land. And what they were doing, kicked out of the land, is they went south into the the Arabian desert as they are removed from the land to finish that story. This is the account of Ishmael. This is at the end, if you look at Ishmael's life, Genesis 25, this is the account of Ishmael. These were the sons of Ishmael, and these are the names of the 12 uh, tribe rulers according to the settlement of the camp. It then goes through the names. Altogether, Ishmael lived 137 years. He breathed his last and died, and he was gathered to his people. Where was his people gathered? His descendants settled in the area of Havilah to Shur, near the border of Egypt, as you go towards Ashur, and they lived in hostility towards all their brothers. Where is Ashur? Ashur is right here between Shur and Havilah, and then here is, Egypt, uh, here is Israel right here. So they are cast out into this land, and then what they did is they consumed the entire Saudi Arabian border, or the Saudi Arabian desert, um, below. 
So this is a story of one individual thinking that God made a promise to Abraham and there's going to be a seed that is going to be in that promise. And he micromanaged the seed, got a lady pregnant, got Hagar pregnant, and Ishmael was the person that they picked um, that, um, that, uh, that came from that. But God had a different plan. He said, I don't want Ishmael. Ishmael's not the seed that will come. Let's look at this. Oh, you'll see the land here. You can definitely see the land that takes place here. This is where he went, and they ended up in the areas of Saudi Arabia and, and those things. So I'm going to go back to that story just to let you know, but I want to travel to another story. And the other story is that there's another son that took place. Years passed after Ishmael was born, and after years passed after Ishmael was born, there became another son. God said, you'll be able to have a son. Then they said, yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will then call his name Isaac. Oh, I want to go back. I don't want to show you that. So if he's going to build a nation, you've got to have a son. Is it going to be Ishmael, or is it going to be Isaac? Two different directions. Isaac was God's chosen person. Isaac was God's chosen person to carry out the seed. It was absolutely shocking to Abraham and shocking to Sarah that they had Isaac at the age that they had him. Completely shocking. He says, I can't believe that this is take place. This is my son. My son is going to carry out the seed and everything is going well as they see their son. But the story about Isaac and probably the most powerful story about Isaac is after they received the son Isaac, who was supposed to carry out the generations and generations and the seed, um, that it's going to bring the Messiah, bring the king, and be the father of a great nation. After all that has taken place, God made a directive that uh, shocked them. And this is what the directive, oh, this is what the directive is. I don't have that verse up there. Sometime later, I'll just read it. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abram, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your, older, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering, one in the mountains, and I will go tell him about. So here you have a son that they could not have, and all of a sudden they have, and he is told to sacrifice, and they told him to go to the where? The hill of Moriah. Um, well, I just want to look at this sacrifice before I even talk about the place of the sacrifice. Looking at the sacrifice, Isaac was God's promised seed. Is that correct? Well, who is God's ultimate promised seed? Because I want you guys to see, the, see the, the pieces of Who's God's promised ultimate seed? Jesus is God's ultimate seed that is going to be the father of all nations. He is going to be the savior of the world. Um, Isaac, when he was going to be sacrificed, I want you to look at this picture as they're going to Mount Moriah. Isaac was um, being sacrificed. He said, all right, Isaac, I want you to grab the wood. And I'm not reading the story. I'm telling the story. I want you to grab the wood and I want you to carry it to the top of the mountain. And as he picked it up, getting ready to carry it to the top of the mountain, um, he doesn't know what's going on. Uh, but as he's carrying it to the top of the mountain, what else took place? Jesus carried his what? Cross to the top of the mountain and then was crucified on this. Now Isaac in the passage starts to ask some questions and some of the questions that he does ask, he says, uh, God, we have everything. We have the, our Abram, we have everything. We have the wood, we have it all. Um, but but who, where's the sacrifice? And what does Abraham said to him? He says, well, God will provide the sacrifice. What's he talking about when Abraham said God will provide the sacrifice? He's still talking about the coming of the Messiah, that we're going to go and we're going to be obedient, and as we're obedient, the sacrifice will be provided and it will be Jesus. But do you see the parallel that's taking place? Isaac was bound, Jesus was bound when they went up to the sacrifice. 
What's interesting is that you do not see any struggle in the story. As they walked up there, they walked up together waiting for the sacrifice. But what really took place before Isaac went on to the altar? When Isaac went on to the altar, how old was Abraham? Mm, pushing up there in years. How, how, young, was, how long, young was Isaac? Mm, 15, 18. So if you look at those, those, can Isaac take over Abraham? Or can Abraham take over Isaac? Or did God give Abraham enough power to take over Isaac? Or did they go into agreement with this sacrifice? Those are good questions. But as you look at it, I almost think he went to agreement with this sacrifice. I think he would have to go to the agreement with the sacrifice if he is going to be bound to the altar. Well, Jesus went into the agreement with the Father. The picture of this is that strong emotion this is the emotion of a father and a son. And it is a human emotion of the father and the son. We see it in Abraham, we see it in Isaac, but as you see this strong, strong emotion that does take place, you can literally see the heart of God when, he, when Jesus was being sacrificed. You see, the story was, was given to us as, as a landmark. You see, the story was given to us as something that is really is pushing completely and entirely towards Jesus. So just to finish the story in Isaac, or in Abraham and Isaac, is Isaac was laid on the altar. Abraham was getting ready to kill him. He grabbed a knife, ready to slay him. Then what had happened? Heard a voice that said, stop. Isaac was then restored. Why? Because Abraham stopped. But it is a picture where Jesus was not restored. Jesus is the one who went all the way. Because Isaac is not the savior of the world. It has just given us a parallel of what is going to take place with Christ that is in the future. Isaac was restored, and then what happened? There was still a sacrifice. Oh my goodness, there's a lamb that's caught, a ram that is caught in the thickets. They grabbed the ram, and they put it on the altar, and then the sacrifice took place. Now, when you look at that story, you look at that specific story, is it, does it carry any meaning? Does it carry any power? Is it pointing to the Messiah? Is it, what, what's the deal with that story? And what is the weight on that story? Or even does that weight carry any story? Well, here's the weight that I want to show you where it carries. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. I want to read this now. Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, here I am replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. I want you to look at that right there. Go to the region of where? Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I tell you about. Then Solomon, I'm going to push forward to the future really fast. Now we've got David's life that has taken place. In David, what happens? David is, um, what happens when you're going through the bloodline of David? Well, David does something absolutely amazing. He conquers the Jebusites. And when he conquers the Jebusites, he then dedicates the land to the Lord. And I want you to see this first. Then Solomon began to build the temple of the Lord. Oh, I'm sorry. He conquered the Jebusites, gave it to the Lord. And then when he gave it to the Lord, he then dreamed about a temple being built. Where was that going to be? It's going to be on Moriah. Because when Solomon builds the temple, what? Then God said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm getting all mixed up. Then Solomon began to build the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem. Where did he build it? He built it on Mount Moriah. Where did he take his son? Isaac. 
he brought, brought him to Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to his father David. It was on the threshing floor of Orana, the Jebusites, the, the place David has said. So what's this right here? This is a picture that takes place today. Now, the picture that takes place today, you have the Kidron Valley that is right here, and then you have this as the foundation of the temple. Don't worry, there's a whole bunch of different things we've got to talk about the temple. It was destroyed, it was rebuilt, and those things. I just don't want to get into all that right now. But this is a picture of today. And then you hear, this is the Dome of the Rock, and this is a mosque that is there. And um, as the mosque is around there, this right here is the valley of, or the, um, the place of Mount Moriah, the place in the hillside um, of Moriah. So what happened is David conquered the Jebusites. He built a city right here, and then he dedicated this piece to the Lord. And when he dedicated this piece to the Lord, the entire temple was built there. Let's look at it. David conquered the Jebusites. The Jebusites were impossible to conquer, and I'll just go through this when we get to David. And the reason why is because look at the hillside of the country. You can't attack from this side. You can't attack from this side, mostly when you have walls. David ended up getting there. I'm not going to tell you how he got there until we get to the story of David. It's absolutely amazing conquered Jebusite, and he built the city of David right here. Then he traveled up to Mount Moriah, and he said, this is the place that I dedicate to the Lord. And then what takes place is that Solomon does what? This is a picture of Solomon's day. Builds it. That's a crooked picture. Sorry, that's supposed to be turned. He builds the temple right here. And when he builds the temple right there, there is still something that um, is exposed, and I'll show it to you in a second. Here's what the temple looks like. This is the Holy of Holies. Again, we're not going to go into great details. I just want to show you something, a large story. Here's what the temple looks like. This is through the gates into the Holy of Holies that the priest would just come there to offer a sacrifice once a year for the atonement of the people. But you don't go in there because it is absolutely the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant is at. So that's what the temple took, um, took place after Solomon. And then if you look at it, this is the temple that is there today. But I'm going to ask you a question. What's underneath that temple. Um, I just want to hit this picture. You cannot go inside the temple today, and the reason why you cannot go inside, or the mosque, it's a mosque today, you cannot go inside, and the reason why you can't go inside is because the Islam um, owns it. They're the ones that have taken possession of it, and they're the ones that manage it, and they've shut everybody out of it, but um, just search the computers and you will find out what is in that. And this is what is in it, and you see it's a dome of a rock is what it's called, and you see the rock is exposed. Now, is this a specific place that Abraham brought Isaac? It is a specific place that Abraham brought Isaac because we see David's story and then Solomon going to Mount Moriah and then building it on Mount Moriah. So there is a rock that is there that is exposed during the temple time and also, during, um, also even right now. And this is what the rock looks like. Uh, from the top perspective. So I just want to travel a little bit through history and see the rock. This is where the temple is over the rock. If you look really, really close, I wish I had something I could push into. You can see right here that this is actually where they placed the Ark of the Covenant, and this is the area that they had the rock literally exposed when the large temple was put on there and the, the Ark of the Covenant um, sat um, on that rock. So is that um, the rock, the spot? Well, if you travel all the way through history of Israel, uh, you'll see that it ended up right there, and you see the Kidron Valley that Sicily talked about in the Word of God, and you see Jerusalem, you see this is the heartbeat, um, the heartbeat of the world. But we'll ask the question, the reason why we ask the question is, why is there a mosque that's over 
over the rock where Abraham ended up um, um, sacrificing, going to sacrifice um, um, Isaac, and where the temple um, was built. Why is, why is there um, a mosque over it? It doesn't make, doesn't make much sense, but I want to travel back to the story of Ishmael, because I didn't tell you that story for no apparent reason. Um, Ishmael, again, was what? Pulled out of the land, as he pulled on land, he, he, he settled here, and then he went south, and his descendants were down below here. And as they were down below there, it does say that they fought, it does say that they argued, it does say they did all of that. But what's interesting is in 500, um, there was a vision, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to say that this is the way it was, but I'm going to say, you'll get the story. There is a vision that took place. Um, Gabriel, uh, um, Angel Gabriel gave Muhammad a vision. And inside of this vision, what happens is that uh, you will see that there was a lot of information given, but one of the pieces of information that was given is that Isaac is not the son, is not the seed, that actually Ishmael is the seed of that is going to carry, that is going to carry the line of the Messiah, carry the line of the king, and carry the line of the great, um, the great nation that God is going to build. One thing that when you think about, we think of um, Christianity, and you think of Jews, and you think of Muslims, you think that they're all going a completely and entirely different direction. All three of those are not going any sort of direction except what the Bible says within Abraham. If you say, well, who is Abraham? Christians will go, well, Abraham's ours. If you say Jews, well, who's Abraham? They'll say Abraham's ours. If you ask Islam and Muslims, well, who's Abraham? Abraham is ours because God made a great promise to a great nation and all of us are walking in one line until those two boys were born in the process of them grabbing another boy and then where they ended up settled. So just to give you, you know, the really fast story, is Mecca right here. Uh, Muhammad ended up um, conquering the town of Mecca and made this the most holy site um, out there. It's the most holy site. As there's temples there. There's a temple here. There's a temple that's in Medina. And whenever Islam prays, what do they do? They always need to face, they need to face Mecca. So they have three different holy sites, and these are holy cities, um, but there's two temples that are taking place here. Then the other temple that they take place that they're really passionate about is right up in Israel is right on top of Mount Moriah. So I just want to look at these temples, Mecca, Medina. You see that they're temples that are completely, when you do holidays, they are completely occupied, and it's a large, large gathering, and a lot, a lot of worship takes place there. And here's another one. There's a couple people there um, that are, are worshiping. But where are these at? They are in the hillside of, in the desert of, of Saudi Arabia. They went down into Saudi Arabia. Why? Because according to the Quran, Abraham took Ishmael down into Saudi Arabia and then they settled there. And then when Muhammad received the vision, this is where he settled everything down there. But Muhammad says there's three of them. There is Mecca, there is Medina, and then there is Jerusalem uh, that we want as well. But I want to Look at this. This is a Jewish holiday, and this is the Wailing Wall. You can see that during these holidays that everybody is gathering. The reason why they're gathering at the wall and not the temple because they believe that this is the closest to the Ark of the Covenant that they can get, and they're not going to bow to the, the, um, bow to the temple. They're going to they're hang on to that Wailing Wall. And then here's a, um, the temple right here, and this is Islam and where they are worshiping. 
And uh, where they're worshiping is at where? At Jerusalem, Mecca, in Medina. But whenever you pray, what do you do? You always focus on Mecca. And so if you really look closely at these individuals, their heads are right here, and their butts are right there, and the temple is right there, if you, if you really look closely at what's taking place. So with, with that being said, there is worship in Islam that is taking place, but where is their seed? Where is their God taking them? Where is they worshiping? Where are their holy sites? It's down in the area of, not Isaac, not here, but it's down in the area of Ishmael, down towards Mecca that, that takes place. So there's no other place for them to worship. If they go on the other side, they said they'd be worshiping the temple. And then they can't worship the temple, but they still want it. And that leads us to ask the question, why? Why do they want it? They've taken Abraham as their, as their guy, father of many nations. That is who he is. But why do they want the temple? Are they the ones that want the temple? And this is the temple, the temple mount. They have a mosque on it. Is this why, are they why on it? Or is it Satan that just wants to destroy the story of the Bible that Jesus, or that Isaac, is the bloodline and the direct story um, of the Messiah? So when we start going through the entire story, um, you will see that there is a lot of battles that take place. There's a lot of empires that are out there, and they are conquering land in Mesopotamia, Israel, and the Nile River, which is in Egypt. They're consistently conquering land. But after we get more sophisticated and start spreading out in the world, why can't we forget about Israel? And the reason why we can't forget about Israel is because God hasn't forgotten about Israel. And if God hasn't forgotten about Israel, Satan's not going to forget about Israel. And everything that God's going to do is going to be fought with with Satan to be literally taken over and literally destroyed. So the story of Islam comes at 500 B.C., 500, a little after 500 B.C. Um, so it's, it's a new story, relatively, when you look at 3,000 years. When it becomes sophisticated, spread out, it then all of a sudden turns into, okay, well, this is a spiritual battle now. And is Israel in peace? Um, Israel, if you go there, they are in peace, but there's constant tension and where is the constant tension? The constant tension is from the south, Mecca. Constant tension is inside because lots of Palestinians there. A lot of people, you know, believe that that um, their, their God is their God is Allah. And and then also, where does that other tension come from? It comes from Iran. More temples that take place in Iran, and their focus is where Israel. Why? Nobody's messing with Mecca. <laughs> Nobody's messing with Medina. It's just their last one that they say, well, this is our holy site. And it seems like the whole world would be willing even to go into war just over Israel, but ask the question, why is it even a fight? It doesn't even make it. If you get Ishmael, take Ishmael. Why do you go back to the other side? So you do see the tension that is taking place. But as we look at this tension that is there right now, You'll see that it comes from the story of Abraham, Isaac, and Ishmael. But as we look at the tension, how should we feel about the tension that is there? This is how we should feel. When you look at the temple, it's like everybody's coming after it. What's going place? I want to see that rock. I want to touch that rock. I want to worship that rock. I want to be a part of what the history takes place. But this is what happened when Jesus came. He said, do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? 
Whoa, what happens? You have a mosque that's over the temple. You have a temple that is not rebuilt. The Jews are saying that temple needs to be rebuilt. The place where Isaac was going to be crucified needs to be rebuilt. The place where the temple was needs to be rebuilt. But Jesus came to change his things. Do you not know yourselves are the temple and God's spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him for God's temple is sacred and you are that temple. What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people. And then we go clear to Revelation. I did not see a temple in the city. This is when the city of Jerusalem comes down. Because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. When we talk about Israel, we're going to talk about history and it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be dynamic. We're going to see that one spot but what did Christ do? Well, we're scattered all over the earth. And as we're scattered all over the earth, we're not praying towards the temple. We're not walking into the temple for sacrifices. What we are doing is we're clear in the United States of America, and God does not live there. He lives here, the temple of the human heart. So when we look at the story of Abraham, when we look at the story of Isaac, it is absolutely rich history that you can look at and just be blown away and look at and watch the prophecy going to take place but it's not the place we bow to it's not the place we worship because christ changed the world (laughs) and the way that he changed the world is when there is a location on the map that location is not the spot of worship the location now is looking up to the king of kings as he's living into is is living in our heart. So Israel is important because it's where it all started and it's where we can understand Jesus more and God's story even more. So let's pray then we'll we'll close. God, we just thank you. Um, thank you that you pursued us, God, and given us an understanding that um, that you did not reign in the temple that is built by man, but you reign in the temple of human hearts. God, this allows us to be people that don't have to travel to Israel to get closer to you. Travel to Israel to be able to touch things that will make us holy or look at things that make us stronger. But God, we are the temple of you. You live in us. Thank you that we can pray to you. You hear us. You love us. You've embraced us. You died for us. And God, we worship you now in regards to those thoughts. In Christ's name, amen.